Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Along with us is Chloe Waterman, the program manager of Friends of the Earth. FOE.org is the website. FOE underscore US is their Twitter handle. Chloe, welcome to the program. I, I understand that Friends of the Earth is joining with 120 other groups for specific actions, a week of action against Tyson Foods. Tell us about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a, an exciting week to see so many allies across different sectors, environmental groups, labor groups, animal welfare, band together to address the horrific treatment of workers that Tyson has had during COVID-19. The jobs in these slaughterhouses are, even before COVID, are among the most dangerous jobs in the country. But during COVID, it's just been a catastrophe. As of today, I just checked and there's 34,000 workers at meatpacking plants who have tested positive for COVID. More than 140 people have died. And Tyson is responsible for a large number of those, double the rate of any other meatpacking company. So they really need the public to pay attention and call on them to create a safe workplace for employees. When Trump invoked the Defense Production Act and basically forced workers to go back into these plants, I know some of them were shut down. Some of them were even trying to retrofit in ways that might protect some of the workers, and they abandoned that because Trump said, you've got to go back now. Did that provide a limitation of liability for these companies so that they can't be sued by the families of their dead employees? Well, that's exactly why the companies lobbied Trump to issue that executive order. But if you actually read the executive order, it has limited power. And these companies absolutely have the choice and can shut down their operations when they have positive COVID cases in them. But also the reason for Trump's executive order claiming that we need this because there's going to be a meat shortage in the country. It's a complete farce. He did it completely to protect the bottom lines of these companies. Our stores for chicken and beef are the same as they were during this time last year, our cold storage. And for pork, they're down only slightly. There's really no reason that these plants need to be kept open without protecting workers. I understand the largest pork producer in the country, Smithfield Foods, is actually owned by the Chinese. 
and that when Trump forced them to go back to work, and I put that in quotes because you're right, they asked him to do it, that they exported, as I recall, thousands of tons or tens of thousands of tons of pork to China. I mean, it wasn't even, this was not even to supply the U.S. market. The reason why the Chinese bought the largest pork producer in the United States, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, please, was to provide pork to the Chinese marketplace. Do I have that right? You have that right, Tom, and it just goes to show that it's just a lie that we need to keep these plants open to protect our food supply. Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker senators issued an inquiry into this exact fact. Why are you claiming that we need to do this to protect America when we're, in fact, putting the lives of our workers in danger only to export this meat to China? You know, it seems like there's even a larger issue here. I mean, yes, it just maybe this is a bit of a digression, but um, when Canada discovered that they had all this, uh, these coal sands, you know, the, the tar sands up there, this is insanely poisonous oil or a form of, it's like a sludge. And refining it throws into the air and leaves behind giant piles of insanely toxic stuff. And the Canadians said, we're not going to allow anybody to refine this into gasoline or diesel fuel in Canada. So what did we do? Well, the Koch brothers have a refinery down in Texas that takes Venezuelan oil, which is just slightly lighter, and processes that. So we'll build a pipeline down here. And Americans get the poison, Americans get the pollution, and the refinery is exporting the gasoline and diesel fuel to other countries, including China. So Canada gets the money from the sale of the tar sands, China gets the oil and the gasoline, and we get the poison. I'm seeing the same thing happen with meat production. The Chinese don't want the giant waste pools that come from factory farms with pigs. They don't want poisoning of the groundwater. They don't want the poisoning of the local people. They don't want the spread of, you know, antibiotic resistant bacteria as a result of these giant operations, you know, contaminating the rest of their food supply. And so we send them the nicely, you know, cut and disinfected meat and we keep the poison here. Does this make sense what I'm suggesting here that this is, you know, somebody has sold out America to the world and in these two cases, and I'm guessing there's dozens of others, we get the poison, somebody else gets the product and somebody else gets the money. That's quite an analogous scenario. I mean, and you hit on a crucial point there too, Tom, which is that their whole model, Tyson's model, Smithfield's model, it's built on exploitation at every stage. And you mentioned the pig waste lagoons, whether it's pork, chicken, or beef, near these plants and near the factory farms, the communities that live there are just decimated with the toxic pollution that comes out of these. And then in the communities where these animals are slaughtered right now, that's where they're being hit by COVID. It's not just the workers. They're going back into their communities these workers are mostly people of color and immigrants, and they're going back to their communities, and it's spreading even more. Tyson and Smithfield exploit everyone along the supply chain. The workers are one example that happened long before COVID. The animals are another. The local communities, their contract growers, everyone is exploited at this. And, and eaters, people who are buying this at the grocery store, the stores, Walmart and Costco that are purchasing Tyson Foods, the the food service corporations like Aramark, they are all complicit in this exploitative supply chain. And we're seeing right now just how exploitative it is, just how little these companies care about their workers during COVID. Right. And kind of have to be an old fart like me to remember this. 
But back in the 60s, my wife's father, one of his favorite things was steak tartare, which was literally raw beef. And he used to put an egg in a glass of orange juice every morning and stick it in the blender and drink that for his breakfast. You can't do that anymore because of factory farms spreading bacteria that have mutated you know, into, into virulent forms that literally didn't exist in the late 50s and early 60s, or even through the 70s, I believe. It's like it has completely changed. So people are buying these products at the supermarket, bringing them home. They're covered with salmonella and E. coli. They put them on their kitchen counter. And even if they cook the food, they want, you know, and then they prepare their lettuce on the same counter and they wonder why they're, they're getting sometimes mild, sometimes severe cases cases of food poisoning. It's like we're being poisoned even in our own kitchens. It's insane. Tell me about the groups, Chloe. Uh, we're talking with Chloe Waterman, the program manager at Friends of the Earth. Tell me about the groups. We have just a minute to the break. Tell me about the groups engaged in this week of action. Absolutely. Well, we're really following the lead of a group that I want to highlight that's been doing amazing work on the ground in Arkansas, Tyson's home state, Vince Ramos. They have been fighting for protections for from Tyson since even before the start of COVID, but since the beginning of it. But they haven't gotten the changes that we need to see from Tyson. So they reached out to allies from environmental groups like us. So we have Greenpeace, NRDC, Union of Concerned Scientists involved. We have animal welfare groups like the ASPCA and the Humane League, food chain groups, the Food Chain Workers Alliance, more than 150 groups across all sectors. Because this issue is so timely, it is so urgent. If Tyson doesn't change, their practices, workers will continue to die. How can the average person participate? Two ways. I think we need to target Tyson and hold them accountable. Users can visit foe.org backslash Tyson. And users can call their senators and demand that the Senate require OSHA to issue mandatory worker protection. There you go. Chloe Waterman, program manager with Friends of the Earth, foe.org. Check it out. And thank you, Chloe. Thanks so much for dropping by today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So America has become the dumping ground for toxic waste. Donald Trump wants to make us the dumping ground for viruses in our schools. Freda in Bella Vista, Arkansas, what's on your mind today? I've been listening to you every day, and today I heard talk of Tyson having some problems with some activists. In the Mm -hmm. 70s, when I moved here from California, we came here to buy a farm, and we bought a farm, and it was idyllic, and it had water coming out of a bluff just right in the front yard and went into, you know, it was beautiful. He established uh, a pig farm a quarter of a mile east of our farm, and it poisoned our water uh, in many ways. We It's a long story, and I, I'm going to try to say it really fast. We fought him getting people to come in and test the water, finding out that it was E. coli in the water from the pig farm. And uh, we were going to take him to court. We didn't have the money to do that, but we were we were frantic. And he offered to buy our farm from us, and we wow. refused. Now, you know, just and, a front of, is the he here you're talking about, Tyson Foods Corporation, or was there yes, an individual? Yes, Tyson, Tyson himself. We were dealing with the old man who owned the, wow. this is in the 70s. And yeah. he finally, he brought a tanker truck down filled with water and piped that into our home. 
and then he he started digging a well for us and <laughs> the well ended up when it was finally pumping uh being uh, water that was real stinky because it was uh so um sulfur water we lived with that for a few years until our son who was born to us there on the farm started developing these terrible places on his legs that we had to take him to the doctor for it was in Patigo and he and the doctor said it's caused from the him wading in the water we finally decided to take Tyson up on his offer to buy our farm and we lost it and he paid us enough money to build a little house in town. We were there because we were surrounded by 200 acres of woods, and it was just perfect. That was what we wanted. But anyway, he he ruined our farm, and years later when we would drive down there, because it was like miles off of the main highway, we would drive down there. He had torn down the house the old farmhouse and he had torn down our we had a beautiful barn he tore it down and built this enormous container to hold his farm equipment because he was farming the place and had animals on it other animals anyway i you know harbored that in my heart i am so thankful for the people who are finally coming to some degree of holding him accountable uh, worldwide because we were unable to do that. We didn't have the money. Well, the old man's not we even were, alive anymore, is he? Is he Fred? No, he isn't, but his son is. His son is yeah. in there, and he was a Coke addict who, who used to come into our restaurant where we were working and, uh, you know, with Kleenex with him and his entourage. Oh, jeez. Freda, I need to move along, but thank you for sharing your story with us. That, that, that's grim. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? I'm sorry, I haven't read your book on the Supreme Court yet, but have you ever read about the slaughterhouse cases in the 1880s? I have. This involved one of your favorite slime balls, Stephen Field. He actually said the right thing in those cases, you know. In that case, he did, but he was conflicted about He didn't say the same thing in uh, Munn versus Illinois when the grain right. houses wanted to establish the... No, it was it was 30, 40 years before the court adopted his logic in Slaughterhouse. But to the point, let's let's translate this into re- regular English. What's what's your point here, Paul? Oh, the point is we're back. It's the same thing. It's the same issue. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just that. You know, in, in Chicago in the 1890s, in, in the early part of the 20th century, you know, the Chicago River used to catch on fire all the time because of yeah. all this. Called and the awful. Cuyahoga. Yeah because of all of the uh, refuse, it's turned awful. But the slaughterhouse cases were based on, in Louisiana, the slaughtering was, it just polluted the entire countryside, the entire state. And they wanted to, right. to put it into a brokerage house and, and put it in one place. And so, matter of fact, Tom, back in the Middle Ages, you'd think, and I was shocked to learn this, that I wish I was lived in the days when we had pristine rivers where you, all you had to do was basically throw a string in the water and a trout would bite it. Uh-uh. 
It wasn't. The rivers were polluted in the Middle Ages because they threw all their slaughter waste, all the offal in the rivers. At least in Europe. I mean, you know, Lewis and Clark said that when they got out here, uh, the Columbia River, when the salmon were spawning, it appeared that you could walk across the river from bank to bank on the backs of the salmon. There were so many. Right, right. But you know, exactly, in Europe. But they, in Europe, even in the Middle Ages, they figured it out, and they quit doing that. You know, that's, yeah. they have other problems with the rivers, but they realized that that's what it was. And what it did also was when you throw that kind of crap in a river, the trout can't live there, but the garbage fish, you know, the, the catfish and the, and the carp, the bottom that, that's fish. who likes that stuff. And then they, they start to, to thrive, and they wipe out the trout, and the trout can't survive in that environment anyway. You know, and actually they ate a lot less meat in the Middle Ages. They didn't slaughter beef. They had usually a village of, uh, would have, uh, a fiefdom would have one or two cows that they used for dairy that they would make cheese out of. What they did slaughter was they, they let the pigs run around wild and eat up the garbage that they threw on the street in the town, and they would slaughter pigs once in a while, and each uh, family or each they would have a brand right. on their pig so they knew whose pig it Same was. Same with chickens. But most of the meat, yeah, yeah they, they mostly eat chickens, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Paul, thank you. <laughs> That's a good point. Good points all. Okay, some of the other stuff that's in the news, in addition to the uh, billionaires running our country and the billionaires running our media, trying to tell us, oh, it's all good. And by the way, the coronavirus is so bad that Paul Manafort has to get out of jail, but your kids have to go to school. What am I missing here? I mean, seriously, what am I missing here? Meanwhile, Donald Trump is saying, vote by mail is so bad. But his son Eric and her wife and his wife Laura or Lara are recording robocalls for Mike Garcia, California's 25th district uh, congressional con- congressional district, saying, "Make your vote count for Mike Garcia and get it in the mail by Tuesday." And then Donald Trump Jr. Don't let us down. Remember to return your ballot now. Make your vote count for Republican Mike Garcia and get it in the mail by Tuesday, May 12th. Right. Vote by mail is a terrible thing, unless it's a Republican, in which case we need to do it. The Supreme Court just ruled 7-2 to that if an employer has strong religious beliefs, and, and those religious beliefs include the, the idea that men should control women. And part of the control of women is the ability to impregnate them and have them then produce a baby. I mean, this is, you know, this is Catholic 101, right? Uh, you know, popes have been saying this for a few hundred years now. That, uh, you know, if, if uh, the employer doesn't want to provide birth control as part of the insurance package, that's just fine. Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote, The court totally casts aside countervailing rights and interests in its zeal to secure religious rights to the nth degree. This court leaves women workers to fend for themselves to seek contraceptive coverage from sources other than their employer's insurer. 
and absent other available sources of funding to pay for contraceptive services out of their own pockets. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point, right? Only men are supposed to be in charge. This is, this is Republican 101. And then we've got this virus. Now, there's a fascinating piece over at The Guardian about this. And this is very, very troubling. Ian Sample writing for The Guardian. Uh, he talks about how back in 1918 with the Spanish flu, it turned out that there were side effects of that flu and there are side effects of corollary uh, infections. There was an encephalitis infection that was traveling on the back of the flu because people are coughing in season and they're spreading viruses all over. And they weren't just all flu viruses. Some were encephalitis viruses. As a result, well, as he says, one, one concern is that the virus could leave a minority of the population with subtle brain damage that only becomes apparent in years to come. This happened in the wake of the 1918 flu pandemic when up to a million people appeared to develop brain disease. It tells the story of people who have, quote, mild cases. This was published uh, yesterday. No, today it was published, uh, well, you know, it was in the UK, so it was half a day ago. In the uh, British journal Brain, British Medical Journal. And they're talking about a disease called acute disseminated encephalomyelitis. The myelin is the coating of nerves. Uh, Encephala, you know, the the infection of the uh, the brain, acute disseminated, I assume, you know, distributed through the brain or through the body, perhaps. It's ADEM is the is the acronym for this disease. Adam cases rose from one a month. This is uh, according to uh, the according to UCL's Institute of Neurology. Adam cases rose from one a month before the pandemic to two or three per week in April and May. One woman who was 59 died of the complication. A dozen patients, uh, and this is there. This is just looking at 40 COVID patients in the UK, right? A dozen patients, mild cases. A dozen patients had inflammation of the central nervous system. Ten had brain disease with delirium or psychosis. Eight had strokes. And another eight had peripheral nerve nerve problems, uh, mostly diagnosed as Julian Barr syndrome, uh, which is fatal 5% of the time. Michael Zandi, senior author of the study, consultant at uh, the University College London Hospital, said, we're seeing things in the way uh, COVID-19 affects the brain that we've never seen before with other viruses. You could be quite sick, but actually have trivial lung disease. They tell the story of a woman who she repeatedly put her coat on and took it off again, began to hallucinate, reporting that she saw monkeys and lions in her house. She had recovered from a mild case. This is later. They put her in a hospital and gave her antipsychotic medication. An otherwise normal woman. Another woman aged 47 was admitted to the hospital with a headache and numbness in her right hand. She became drowsy and unresponsive, required an emergency operation to remove part of her skull to relieve the, the swelling on her brain. Zandi said physicians should look for cognitive symptoms, memory problems, fatigue, numbness, and weakness. We still don't know the damage that this thing does, but the billionaires tell us, get back to work. Tom Hartman program. And get your kids back to school so that you can go to work. How do you think that's going to work out?
Tom Hartman here with you. I'm still just boggled by the fact that Alex Azar, the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, the former CEO of Eli Lilly Company, the guy who doubled the price of insulin for, for all you diabetics out there, he is now in charge of all the health in America, right? The HHS secretary. And he said that, quote, we have healthcare workers, they don't get infected because they take appropriate precautions. This can work. You can do this. There's no reason schools have to be in any way different. Right. This is a lie. 94,000 healthcare workers in the United States have become infected with COVID. Over 700 of them have died. Are we going to be looking at these kind of numbers for teachers? But beyond teachers, are we going to be looking at these kind of numbers for parents? And by the way, the healthcare workers are not dealing with, you know, I, I, frankly, I don't know how many total, you know, the total number of school children in America. It's probably 20, 30 million, something like that, maybe 40 or 50 even. I mean, there's a lot of kids, right? And they've got a lot of parents, presumably roughly twice as many. And extended family members, probably roughly three times as many. And we're seeing these kind of deaths among healthcare workers. Really, is this the hill that Trump thinks he's going to plant his flag on? Does he think this is what's going to give him the victory? Mike in Lameda, California. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? <clears throat> if this is the tipping point, the business of Trump with the schools, uh, which water molecule was it that sank the Titanic? I mean, it was a process that was inevitable. And in terms of what's happening with kids, I commend the example of Jaden H. of Queens, New York, an eight-year-old who died. He had been infected with COVID-19 and gotten all better. And then all of a sudden, down he went. Fortunately for us, it was only clinical death because his older brother was there. He had learned CPR, and he did... CPR on his kid brother until the paramedic showed up and took him to the hospital. Since then, he has wow. returned home. But this is an Can example. you post that story to my Twitter feed, Mike? No, I can't do Twitter. I'm sorry. It's the middle okay. of May. It, yeah. You know, okay. easily I'll findable. The sort of thing that's likely to happen over and again if Trump actually got his way. Now, one thing that perhaps has not escaped everyone's attention is that Trump has a habit of making grandiose threats, which he then has no way of following through with. He cannot force schools to open by threatening their federal funds if it means endangering the kids. And if he does actually succeed in some of the red states, what he's going to end up with, I trust before November 3rd, is a lot of potentially juvenile pediatric uh, COVID-19 infections. You get a bunch of these happening here, there, and the other place. People are going to remember things like uh, how he forced everyone in his administration to lie about this disease, um, except the uh, the uh, sorry, uh, CDC, which is now uh, a story on the Internet about how uh, he and his only agency are at loggerheads about what's safe to do with kids. Uh People are going to remember this. Uh, we had the Health and Human Services Secretary, Azar, say that uh, 
medical workers don't get infected because they use social distancing and PPE. Right. Well, I don't know if this guy has ever seen a hospital drama on television, but when people are intubating or getting a blood draw, they are not using six-foot-long laryngoscopes or six-foot-long hypodermic needles. I mean, it's yeah. a preposterous lie. I mean, it's insulting to anyone that hears it. And it reminded me of uh, Professor uh, Finkelstein's uh, book out now, a brief one, uh, called A Brief History of Fascist Lies. And the way these uh, sorts of regimes will invoke mythology and how the, uh, the supreme infallible leader's statement is truth, regardless of whether the facts line up with it or not. And I think... More and more people are going to react against that. You know, I mentioned before that I have this uh, shirt with the Trump death clock printed on the front with the the updated morning number. And whenever I go out to buy groceries, I wear the thing. Most workers, of course, can make political statements to customers. But yesterday, the checkout clerk uh, said, you made my day with that shirt. So uh, (laughs) I really think people are are catching on to what Trump is. People are getting Yeah, at least in Lomita, California. I think, though, that it's happening all over the country, particularly now that red states are getting infected. Mike, thank you for the call. It is waking people up. Bill in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Bill, what's up? Uh, Tom, I I know this is going to sound like an awfully broad-based question, but I've been thinking that eventually when schools started up, that that was going to become the 800-pound gorilla. Because there's not many things that happen where you've got that many... Of, of a certain age group all in a combined environment at one time. So what can we do now to finally control the, 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 uh, of COVID? You forget what's happened in the past because the past is the past without completely destroying the economy. That's, that's a concern I've got because I think both of those issues, the illness, and if the economy goes really in the tank, I think we are going to have a problem as a country. Okay, here's, here's my answer to you, Bill. First of all, the phrase destroy the economy is one that we all need to extract and remove from our vocabulary. This economy is too large, there's too many people, there's too much wealth, even the wealth left with the working and middle class for the economy to ever be completely destroyed. What will happen is it goes, it goes on pause, there's a lot of damage done, a lot of people get hurt, a lot of people lose their homes, a lot of people uh, lose their lives, frankly, and a lot of businesses, particularly smaller businesses, get wiped out. Larger businesses should be getting wiped out, but the government's stepping in to intervene. But the point is that if you look at what has worked in other countries, what worked in Australia, what worked in New Zealand, you know they're playing soccer games in, in New Zealand with stands full of people now what worked in taiwan what worked in no let me let me finish this thought and then I, you can you can you know rebut me or whatever you want to try to do bill but uh or however you want to do it um what all those countries did was they locked down completely for about two months that's long enough to take the spread of the virus from you know a massive explosion down to a little tiny trickle so basically it puts out the fire, to use the metaphor of, of, of fire that Trump likes to use. It puts out the fire, and now you've got to go around and find where the embers are, the ones that still have the possibility of erupting into a fire again. For that, you put into, into, tra- into place a, a comprehensive, thorough national testing program that literally is testing everybody in the country. And that's what they're doing in China. In China, in Wuhan, they, t- they tested 11 million people in eight days. 
every single person in the city. You, you've got every single person in South Korea being tested, every single person in Taiwan, in Australia, in New Zealand, in France, in Germany. In I mean, you name your country that has successfully controlled this thing. You put comprehensive testing into place, and whenever you find somebody who tests positive, you contact trace them, you contact all those people, and you quarantine them. And that way, instead of having a national lockdown, which you have to have for a couple of months to get that fire out, and so you pause the economy for those couple months, then after that, you open it back up again with, number one, everybody has to wear a mask because we know that that will radically cut transmission. As long as you can keep that transmission rate below one, one person infects one other person, and get it down to like 0 0.6, 0 0.5, 0 0.4, which happens just from wearing masks. As, as long as you can do that, eventually the virus dies out, as long as the transmission rate is below one that are not number. Um, so you have everybody wear masks, you have people social distance, you reorganize the way that your restaurants and you know public venues and things are organized. To, you know, because this is frankly, until or unless there's a, a good vaccine, I mean, we're kind of like where polio was in 1955. Um, until you've got a good vaccine, this is what we have to live with. And frankly, I think it's gonna be a couple of years until we even know if a vaccine works. So that's how you do it, Bill. Did I explain? And, and, then, and then you can bring your economy back as, as countries all around the world are doing that have done this. But you know, the question I was gonna ask though was this, in the roughly two months that the economy got virtually shut down, okay, the federal government came in and threw money at it like crazy. And I've heard you say this. If that happened again for another two months, where is the money coming from from the federal government to do it except to print money? I mean, where would they come uh, from? The federal government can print money. Huh? Yeah, there's something close to $200 trillion in U.S. currency floating around the world. We are the reserve currency of the planet. If the Fed prints a couple of trillion dollars to keep the economy afloat for a few months, it will have no impact on inflation or on the value of the dollar. And it can be recovered as the economy returns. The problem that we're facing right now, Bill, is not deficit spending or debt or national debt, the value of our currency. Problem we're facing is that we've got a friggin' pandemic going on, and we're the only developed country in the world who doesn't have a national policy to deal with it because Donald Trump is incompetent, if not malicious. You know, I think that there are some people on his in his uh, inner circle. I think Stephen Miller's probably at the top of this list who are saying, you know, most of the people who die from this are either old, unhealthy, or hey, special bonus, black or Hispanic. This is this is you know they they make a joke. They call it the boomer remover. This is our chance to get rid of all those people on Social Security or enough of them that Social Security will be solvent. This is our chance to get rid of all those pesky black black and brown people and create good jobs for the remaining white people who are younger and healthier. Um, you know, I mean, this is eugenics on steroids, Bill, unless you've got another explanation for why Trump is, is forcing America to be literally the only damn country in the developed world that doesn't have a federal response to this. Well, no, that's true. Oh, can I tell you one positive thing before I leave? Yeah. The last protest we had in Richmond this last Saturday, it was armed Black Lives Matters people at state capitol, and it was a thing called the Virginia Defense League, the same ones that had the big rally back in the fall. They all got together. There was no problems because they were down there. It was mainly a second amendment protest. 
because mm. everybody figured that this was going to be turned into a firefight. Everything went fine, and I said, that's the strangest thing I've heard for having two different sides agree on something and come away yeah. from it. Yeah. I mean, not even the most perfect thing, but it was kind of funny the way it happened. You know, everybody thought it was going to be, you know, you could pick what potentially would look like the worst two groups, but they had a common cause. So, well, thank you very much. I enjoy the rest of your program then, I guarantee you. Thank you, Bill. Thanks. Good talking to you. And thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. I appreciate the call. This is not something that we have to, you know, focus group or figure out or anything. All you have to do is look at what Germany is doing. Right. Look at what Norway is doing. Look at what Taiwan is doing. Look at what New Zealand is doing. Look at what Australia is doing. Look at what China is doing. Country after country after country have figured out how to deal with this virus. It's real simple. And by the way, it's also going to help you during flu season. You're going to have fewer deaths and sickness from flu. I mean, you know, this is common sense stuff, but Trump won't do it. You're Why? listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. I continue to think, though, and I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, that Trump thinks that, hey, this is a good thing. It's killing off some people who should be killed off. You know, I've been telling you about how many emails I'm getting from Trump. I brought this up on, on Twitter yesterday. I just posted, you know, I've, I've been, I gave Trump five bucks back in 2013 or 2015. And typically I get three to five fundraising requests a week. And now I'm getting three to five a day. And I just wanted to share with you what I've gotten since I was on the air yesterday, because I read to you the ones I got on the air yesterday. I'm not going to read these in the depth or length that I did, but this is what I have gotten in the 24 hours since this time yesterday from Donald Trump. First of all, I get one called low stock alert. We're almost out of puzzles. That's what I can read in my, in the preview in email. It's from Low Stock Alert, info at ourpresident45.com, which I think is one of these, let's make money off the Trump supporters. Uh, Fred, because you're a top Trump supporter, our team wanted to reach out to you personally about one of our most beloved products, our American-made exclusive Trump puzzles. We're down to a few last puzzles, and we're expected to sell out by midnight. Don't wait. I mean, this, this scam language is in almost all of these things. This is, you know, jigsaw puzzles of Trump. That was the first one that came. Then came one from Eric Trump. Uh, you know, your 500% match expires in 59 minutes, 51 seconds. The dishonesty from the media, blah de blah blah You know, they're coming after my dad. And then, and then you know, a few hours after that, I get one from Laura Trump. Thomas, where have you been? You know, sometimes they have Thomas, sometimes they've figured out my real name, I guess. I just found out that you still haven't accepted your invitation to join the Trump 100 Club. And this is, you know, the 100 advisors that Trump will turn to. And with a large enough contribution, I can get a plaque, a brass plaque on a wooden background. I mean, it's amazing, right? If you give them just a lot of money. Um, and then there's the Trump flash sale. That one arrived. Our, Ameri- our Keep America Great Hats is the headline. You've been selected, Fred. We have an exclusive offer just for you. President Trump chose 50 of his top patriots, and he wants to give every one of them one of our official 2020 Keep America Great Hats. All you have to do is contribute 30 bucks in the next hour, and we'll send you one of our iconic Keep America Great free Hats for free. And then this one just came in uh, five minutes ago. Uh, it's titled, Here's Your Winner. This is from contact at victory.donaldtrump.com. Um, do not share, please do not share this email with anyone else. This offer is for, you know, Fred Flintstone only. 
Fred, the votes are in, and I'm proud to present you with a beautiful 2020 Trump Platinum card that was voted the winner by you. And then there's a picture of the official Trump 2020 Platinum card with Donald Trump's pictures on it and, and uh, you know, Fred's name on it. He says, I'm only reaching out to a select group of my best supporters to become official 2020 Trump Platinum members, and you are one of them. And then, of course, you know, send us money. What the hell is going on? Five funder, or was that six? Oh, here's another one. This one just came in. This is from DonaldJTrump.com. Um, Fourth of July flash sale extended. Uh, Fred, you know you want one. You've been thinking of buying one of our iconic Trump-Pence 2020 flags. Now is your chance in honor of the 4th of July. I mean, you know, it's like, whoop, here's another one. This this one came in like two hours ago. Uh, This is your chance. This is from the Trump, Trump 2020 app. President Trump wants to meet you, Fred. He wants to give his top supporters like you a guaranteed opportunity to meet your favorite president at a future event. And all you have to do is download the official Trump 2020 app. By the way, when you download that app, they require you to put your phone number in and your complete address, but in particular, your phone number and email address before you can even use it. Uh, It's called harvesting. I mean, there is something going on. Whether these guys know they're going to lose... And so they're cashing in as big and fast as they can, or whether they're desperate for more money, except it seems like about half of these are coming from groups that are not actually official political campaigns. So I don't know. I'm not going to give them money to see if I get a profit, you know, if I, see if I get a, a tax deductible uh, receipt or, or not, because I just, you know, I'm not interested in giving them that kind of cash. But it's got me scratching my head. That was seven appeals in 24 hours. Seven. What's going on? Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's up? Nancy McLean called the uh, Democracy in Chains, the Radical Right Stealth Plan for America. And what I took from that book was this. She says, you know, America's got the oldest democracy in the world, but it's the least responsive democracy in the world. Uh, but that's not why I called you when I heard you uh, read that book. So oh, I'm familiar with her works. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know that I watch a TV program called Law and Order, and there's an attorney on there named McCoy. And McCoy, he would prosecute Donald Trump for negligent homicide, no doubt about it. And I would personally consider Mr. Trump an enemy of the state. And you had a, a caller earlier that was talking about some of the social issues we got and how we can never change. I was with him until now. This Black Lives Matter uh, movement that's taking place, most of the people out there are not black. All right, the America is in a transition right now. And the most obvious evidence of America being in a transition right now, when you're watching your TV, look for an advertisement by what is called the Lincoln Project. It's called the Lincoln Project. These are Republicans calling out other Republicans. If you never thought you'd ever see that in your lifetime, you're a witness to it right now. We're going to be all right. And even if Mr. Biden is not young and strong and energetic, he ain't got to be, because that fool is going to have one hell of a powerful cabinet when he get up in there. All right. Thanks, Tom, for taking the call. I agree, Morris. I agree. And I'm, I, you know, I'm voting for Joe Biden more for the people he's going to surround himself with than uh, he himself. But I'm there. June in Knoxville, Iowa. Hey, June, thanks for watching Free Speech Hi. TV. What's on your mind today? Oh, I just accidentally found your channel. I hadn't heard from you in years, and I was so pleased to finally find someone who talks with sanity and tells the truth and lets people know what's you, going June. on. I have so many family and friends that have their heads buried in the sand, and at this point, uh, it's yeah, I'm a little confused just having heard Dr. Mann talk about um, the climate change. 
that's going on and all those problems with that. But I want to go back to Trump. I have Mm -hmm. so many Republican friends and family members that are still, they're loyal to him yet. And I've equated him with um, so much that's happened in our past as uh, with... um, uh, other dictators and like like uh, Hitler, uh, I see what's happening now as being a genocide, and I've I've told people this. Why do you think this is happening? It's not by accident. This is by plan. Whenever he is losing a grip, then he finds something else to distract people from. But why can't they see what he's actually doing because of the elderly and because of? people of color and people who are sick. It's so important that people understand that this man, look at the book that just came out from his book. I think that tells more about what this man is about than than anything else and explains why he is the way he is. But anyway, I just, I really appreciate listening to you and, and the facts that you give and the people that you talk to. It's nice to know that there are other people out there who understand what's going on. I'm wondering why isn't the UN, UN getting involved in seeing this as crimes against humanity, um, both with what he did to the people in, in, at the border and what he's doing to people in our country right now? I think it's all very the, uh, the International Criminal Court has no jurisdiction over the United States because we have pulled out of that. Uh, George Bush pulled us out of that when they started talking about prosecuting Donald Rumsfeld for torture. Ah, so when he's out of so, office, do you think that they could in any way come back on him with what he has done? I doubt that they can go after him for the crimes uh, or what you and I might consider crimes that he's committed as president. Uh, you know, locking children in cages and, and uh, you know, uh, presiding over the death of uh, pro- what will probably be, by the time he leaves the White House, well over 200,000, maybe over a quarter million dead Americans. I doubt that'll right. happen, but he may be held to account for, you know, his crimes prior to coming into the White House, his being a professional grifter and con man, uh, you know, his uh, the lies and, and frauds that he perpetrated to sell real estate, his being a money launderer for billionaire oligarchs around the world, particularly in some of the most repressive regimes. Um, a lot of that might come back to haunt him, although I think his bet is that he can tie those folks up in court for years and years and years and, and he'll never, you know, justice will never catch up with him. It never has. And he's 74. He's gotten this far. June, thank you for the call. And thanks for your kind words. Tell your friends about thank Free Speech you. TV. Post. Yeah, I've been telling you. everybody. Ta- yeah. <laughs> thank Great. you. God bless you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, let's see here, Ralph in Bronx, or excuse me, in Knoxville, New, uh, Tennessee. Hey, uh, Ralph, what's up? Let's start off saying we agree on Trump's insane, right? I think so, yeah. I think he's mentally ill anyway, yes. He's mentally ill. And I think the guy realizes that he's not going to be reelected. And I think he's just taking this country down as far as he can go on his way out. And he don't care how many people he kills or how much destruction he causes with the four months. I'm hoping to God that people aren't stupid enough to, to put that, that bozo back in there. But that's just all I have to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I think he's fixing to uh, withdraw from the race, and he's going to turn it over to my biggest prediction would be a Pence-Haley ticket, Nikki Haley. Just since I got off the air yesterday, I got an email on behalf of Trump from Newt Gingrich. I got an email from Donald Trump uh, titled, Our Nation's Children, We Must Think of Them. I got an email from Laura Trump telling me that I was one of 100 people in the entire country who Donald wants to advise him. Each one of these, of course, uh, you know, when you click on the link, they ask you for money. I got one from Donald Trump telling me that my platinum membership card was waiting for me. I'm looking at my email right now, just reading these to you. And just at 11.35 a.m. Pacific time, two minutes ago, I got an official Trump poll um, called The Great American Comeback, America Can't Be Stopped. So that's what, five or six fundraisers that I've gotten from Trump in the last 23 hours. This has never happened before. I've been on his mailing list since 2015, and it's always three to five times a week I get a pitch, you know, asking for money. But now it's coming five, six, seven times a day. I think he's squeezing all the money he can out of the rubes, out of the Trump, you know, the, the, the maggots, the Trump followers. And, and then, you know, in, at the convention in what is it, six weeks or thereabouts, the Republican convention, he's going to come out and say, you know, I got this great business opportunity and I'm going to be building some new properties in Moscow and, and Turkey and, and China. And uh, so I'm not going to run for president again. I'm going to turn this thing over to Mike Pence. And then he's going to take this money and, and keep it because he can do that under the laws. So much of it is going into super PACs. What do you think? Well, well I, I say it's time if we're lucky enough to take the Senate and, you know, in the presidency back, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and able to call. The first thing they need to do is get rid of the filibuster, go all yeah. nuclear, and quit being yeah. so damn nice. Do it. I do agree. what needs to be done. 
do what needs to be done. I agree. Get people, uh, I agree. It's, get it is absolutely yeah. time to, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Ralph, well said. Thank you. It's, it's time to take names and kick ass. Patrick in Long Island, New York. Hey, Patrick, what's up? Thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. Yeah, hey, Tom. I tell you, I'm a conspiracy theorist all the way along. And okay. I think the band is starting to play, and Trump's planning to march off the stage with uh, a bundle of money from his reelection funds. Uh, and true to his word, as he said many years ago, I could run for president, win, and be the first one to make, uh, you know, a killing financially. And yep. also, and also this. I do agree. Uh, Trump knows where people's weak spot is, and that's their children. And he's proven this when he was a big fish, uh, trying to be a big fish in New York with the Central Park Five, who were five black teenagers who he publicly called for the death sentence for them. They were uh, wrongly convicted and later exonerated. Uh, there's the uh, immigrants crossing the border that he still has in uh, uh, a cage, for lack of a better word, with a piece of cellophane mm -hmm. over you. Uh, and this is still going on, as you mentioned frequently in your uh, in your program. As far as mm -hmm. eugenics, it's a very, very commonly held uh, view by those who have reached what they view is to be the upper status of society, that they were bred for this and born for this, and the others are simply users, takers, and a drain. And uh, good talking to you, Tom. That's, what, that's my little rant for today. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. Good to hear from you. Kevin in Durham, North Carolina. Hey, Kevin, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I just wanted to say, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you about Trump dropping out. First of all, I think he's too narcissistic for that. And second of all, I don't know that he wants it on his legacy that he quit. Um, well, he did this five so, times with bankruptcies. I mean, I think I'm, I'm guessing he's just looking at it the same way. When you reach the point where you know that you're not going to succeed, why put any more effort into it? Take whatever you can and walk away. I'm not, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd assign the probability, Kevin, at 50-50, but that's what I, th that's how I think yeah. he's thinking. I think he's, he's got his, his head back where it was in, in the late 90s when he declared bankruptcy five different, maybe six different times. Um, each time, you know, of course, he, he screwed his investors to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, you know, every time he made money on his bankruptcies, but he basically walked away. He said, okay, yeah. He's done this before. Yeah, I, I, I see you on that. Um, I just think that, you know, he, he, he wants to be loved. He, he loves the, the love of his base. And I, I don't think he wants to disappoint them by just walking away. And I think that they would view him. Well, I don't think he's going to walk from away. the presidency. I think he's going to walk to owning a television network, probably One American News, and becoming the big star on it, he sees himself as the next Sean Hannity, and uh, and he may well end up that way. Yeah, I think he's going to end up that way. Also, um, I think that he's going to go out swinging, like some of the other callers were saying. I think if he's going to go out, he's going to go out swinging and destroy as much of the country as he can before he leaves. Yeah, I I, I think you're right, and and you know that's that's arguably what I'm saying. I just. I just think he might be willing to leave now. I, I, I could be entirely wrong. I mean, you know, time will tell. But the, 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 the thing that's telling me that he's getting ready to take the money and run is the fact that all the rules of fundraising, I mean, you don't do seven fundraising email appeals in a single day over and over and over again. You don't do that because what happens is people put you on the damn spam list and then they never get any of them.
So why would he do this? Well, I think it's because he's trying to squeeze the last little bit out. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Tom Harbin here with you. Renee in Paris, France. Hey, Renee, thanks for watching us on Facebook Live. What's Hi. up? I'm with you on this whole Trump thing as far as bailing out of the election. According to NPR, um, there's $996 million in his campaign coffers. So why not uh, play tug of war where your side eventually drops the rope at the last minute after you collect all the campaign contributions you can get on top of that amount? I mean, he, this has been about money since day one. And this will certainly make him a rich man probably for the first time in his life, for real. And uh, it just seems to me this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's going to use that money to buy One America News Network or something like that. I didn't realize it was $900 million. That's a mind-boggling, nearly a billion dollars. That's mind-boggling. But under the laws, under the campaign laws, I don't know if you if you saw the Stephen Colbert show back, you know, back in the day when he, he was doing the Colbert Report. He created a super PAC and was amazed to discover that when he lost the election, he could keep all that money. And I think and I, that that's yeah. Trump's plan. I don't think he cares what the Republican Party thinks about him, and I certainly don't care. think he cares about what his base thinks either. This has been a money-making venture since day one, and, you know, he, he's, he'd be walking out a billionaire, so why not? Right, and the reason why he's jacking racism so hard is he's trying to build the base for his white supremacy television network, and it's probably going to be all white supremacy all the time. You know, you'll have he'll have Lou Dobbs on trashing Mexicans, and and he'll have Tucker Carlson. Uh, well, God only knows if he can afford Tucker, but you know he's going to have it's that's what he's going to do, and and because uh, he's just breaking all the rules of fundraising. You don't send seven fundraising emails a day to your donor base. Because then they start putting you on the spam list and nobody ever gets any of them. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. Renee, thank you. Thank, and thanks so much for watching us there in France. It's, it's great to hear from an expat American. By the way, Renee, <laughs> if I may, so real quickly while you're on the phone, how yeah. is France? How, you're, you're living in Paris. How are you all right. dealing with the coronavirus and what is, what is France doing about schools this fall? Well, schools are scheduled to open here, but there's going to be a modified schedule. Whereas there's going to be less kids in the classroom for less, less time, and then they'll rotate through. Um, but there hasn't really, that, that's the plan anyway, but that may change. But as far as coronavirus goes here, uh, we're doing much better. As of last week, I heard we had 3,000 cases in the entire country, which isn't you know, that bad. And they're doing an wow. excellent job as far as social distancing and wearing masks. I mean, we don't question it. We don't try to fight it as some of the Americans do, as I see these crazy uh, SB videos. We don't do any of that. We just follow the rules and everybody's safe. And they're really, they're, there isn't any protest or, or question about what we're supposed to do to stay safe. Wow. So people are actually paying attention to scientists there in France. What a shocking Absolutely. Okay. And yeah. don't forget, this is Renee, the land of revolution, too. So, I mean, we're following the rules even now. So. Yeah, you're right. The French Revolution was a big deal. <laughs> Thank you, Renee. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. Bill in New Tripoli, Pennsylvania. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Hey, I uh, just want to say I'm a, a, a recent uh, convert to your program here. 
And uh, one of the things that I'd like to uh, bring up is what I enjoy so much about the discussions that happen on your show, and that is that they are based on critical thinking. In other words, the things, the opinions you have, whether you agree with them or not, they are based on fact. And it seems to be rarer and rarer that I am able to turn on the television or even have a conversation with friends that are that's based on critical thinking, based on facts. It's become all emotion-driven, all you, uh, reactionary. And and I'd like to uh, kind Bill, of get Bill, your, we only uh, have a minute to the end of the show. You got is what what specifically did you call about, or was it critical thinking? Well, well, it's it's uh, what you think of the of the lack of that, and why why is it that people can't converse and just use facts and try to keep the emotion to a minimum? I think this goes back to 1987 when the fairness doctrine got blown up, and all of our news operations all around the country turned into infotainment operations. Prior to that, we used to have presidential debates, for example, that that was considered part of your obligation to keep your license to run it commercial free. The League of Women Voters moderated our presidential debates right up until 1988 when uh, George Herbert Walker Bush tried to put such, or no, it was uh, uh, 92 when uh, G.H.W. Bush put such onerous terms on it. He wanted basically the debate to be rigged in his favor and League of Women Voters said no and that was the end of that. I think that our politics and our education has gone to hell as a result of the Reagan revolution. Bill, I got to run. Thank you for the call. Thank you all for being with me today. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It doesn't work without you. And by the way, tell your friends how they can find progressive media. We've got a podcast. We're all, you know, we're on Sirius XM. We're all over the place. Tell your friends about it. And be good to yourself and those friends. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.